the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420. The answer is your host, Bob France. Yes, indeed, and a glorious morning to you. Thanks for joining us at eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock. It is a Friday, which is all kind of outstanding. Long work week drawing to a close. We're going to make it a good one. We've got a good one. My goodness. Uh, today on the program, coming up in a half an hour, we're going to talk with J.D. Vance, Ohio Senate candidate, Republican, facing Tim Ryan in the uh, battle for Rob Portman's seat. Tim Ryan continues to draw a lot of attention. J.D. Vance draws a lot of criticism. And of course, that's just the way that it goes in the media. Uh, but we're going to give J.D. Vance a chance to answer some of those criticisms uh, coming up here uh, in about a half an hour. So we're looking forward to that. When we're done with J.D. Vance, it gets even bigger and even better as we get nearly a full hour of Peter Kersenow. Yeah, that's right. Kersenow on Friday? What? Yeah. Pete has been very busy traveling early in the week over the last three or four weeks now. I think it's been three or four weeks since we've actually had him on his regular Tuesday schedule. 
But we don't hold that against him because he's Peter Kersenow, and he's kind of got a job to do. So Peter uh, is going to be joining us today at 10 o'clock, 10, 10, 10, actually, instead, to offer his brilliant analysis and share his wisdom with us. So Kersenow at 10, 10, J.D. Vance at 9.35. And then in the 11 o'clock hour, this is kind of neat. We decided not to schedule any guests in the 11 o'clock hour. This is going to be the new thing going forward on Fridays. We're going to bring you our very own Always Always Right Week in Review. Say that five times fast. That's not easy. It's the Always Right Week in Review. I always tell you if you miss an interview, then you need to go back and listen to it. Go to the webpage, alwaysright.us, and a great conversation that you may have missed, or maybe a segment that we did that was very important, a call that we responded to. We're finding the highlights, basically, of each week. And then we're going to replay a, a portion of those uh, on Friday at 11.10. So that's going to be kind of our thing going forward now. And this will be the first week for it, so hopefully you'll bear with us. But we do have some great moments from some of the interviews that were conducted this week, some of the uh, important uh, information that was shared. So we have the, the uh, Friday week in review coming up at 11.10. So there you go. That's how we structure it out today. The rest of the program is... Is free for all Friday. That's what we do. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five and triple eight two eight one eleven ten. Very much want to hear from you today. And like I said, there are a lot of things to talk about. Before we start talking about them, however, what do you say? We stand as patriots. Let's stand together and face a flag if you have one nearby. If you don't, it is okay. Understand? Maybe you're not in a position to have one. Maybe you're on the job and you're listening through your headphones or your earbuds, if you will, uh, and you just don't have one nearby. That's okay. But uh, if you can do it, wherever you might be, stand and face that flag and uh, join us for our Pledge of Allegiance. If you are a believer in redefining words that embarrass and stop your agenda, if you are a believer in redefining the word woman because it gets in the way of your agenda, if you're in favor of redefining the word recession, because it gets in the way of your agenda. If you are a believer in lies rather than truth, then you have no earthly idea what this flag represents anyway. So you go ahead and feel uh, feel free to be exempted from this request. You can go ahead and take a knee instead next to your favorite ex-quarterback. For the rest of us, however... Oh, no, not again. Johnny, Johnny Hiles, can you fire that up for us, please? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands one nation under God indivisible with liberty and justice for all thank you very much Johnny uh, still having a bit of a glitch with our pledge we may have to re-record it we may have to do we have to find a whole new way to do it all together but thank you Johnny for being on standby there so some of the lead stories that we do need to get into this morning what I just teased. Joe Biden released a statement yesterday in response to the GDP number coming down, 0.9% contraction rather than an expansion, rather than the growth of the economy. It fell, it shrunk for the second consecutive quarter. And Joe Brandon decided, well, he better address that. And he did, without ever mentioning what it was, a recession. He literally just is ignoring the fact that this is a recession, even as he sends his uh, his flunky, Corinne uh, Jean-Pierre, who's who's black and gay. Did you know she was black and gay? Make sure you understand that. Anytime you talk about Corinne Jean-Pierre, she's black and gay. It was the most important qualification that she had. They made that announcement. History was being made. 
Anyway, he sends her slunky uh, Karine Jean-Pierre out there to tell everybody every day it is not a recession. Two consecutive quarters of negative growth is not a recession. What are you talking about? Where are you coming up with these strange ideas? Well, it's kind of been the um, it's kind of been the uh, definition of recession for a very, very, very long time, including, uh, according to the patron saint, if you will, of the Democrat Party. No, 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 not Obama. The one before him. The other patron saint of the Democrat Party. And I'm going to let you hear this patron saint's words from, this is uh, December 19th, December 19th of 2000, December 19th of 2000. Mr. President, what do you think about a recession? Well, a recession is two quarters in a row of negative growth. I don't think we're going to have that. But we couldn't keep up 5% growth a year. That's Bill Clinton. It's a little off mic, so uh, but in, you probably made it out. Uh, he was asked by a reporter, Mr. Mr. President, what do you think of the recession? This is, of course, part of the transition of power, transfer of power from uh, uh, Bill Clinton to George W. Bush. They're both in the same shot here. But was asked, what do you think about recession? And he said, well, a recession is two, ne- two uh, consecutive quarters of negative growth. I don't think we're going to have that. He said, but we can't keep up 5% each quarter either. So, uh, how about that? December 19, 2000, Bill Clinton tells you what a recession is. July 28, 2022, Joe Biden says he's lying. He's lying. That's not the definition of a recession. I don't know where he came up with that, but that, that's not what a recession is. And, of course, this is quite literally what the entire uh, Biden administration is doing. They're trotting out people like Brian Deese to tell everybody that this isn't a recession, even though Brian Deese said much more recently than Bill Clinton in 2008, quote, the technical definition of recession is two consecutive quarters of negative growth. But in 2022, he says, this is not the technical definition of recession, (laughs) two consecutive quarters of negative growth. So they're sending out everybody they can, every flunky they have in the administration, every flunky they have in the Biden press corps, which is the press corps, like all of the press corps. Uh, and, uh, and and if you want to hear some absurdity, just just super quick, here, here's that press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre. Did I mention she's black and she's gay? She's black and gay. Make sure you know that. History was made. When you look at uh, the economy, how he was able to turn it back on when he walked in, businesses were shut down, uh, schools were shut down. She does this stuff with a straight face sometimes. I thought Madam Circleback was good uh, at lying. Holy cow. Propaganda Patty was phenomenal at lying with a straight face. But Karine Jean-Pierre, uh, I don't know, hers is more of a confused face than a straight face. But anyway, she literally is bragging that Biden was able to turn the economy back on when he took office. He's been in office for 18 months. Energy is at an all-time sky-high price, all forms of energy, but in particular, oil and gasoline. Um, We have inflation, the consumer price index at 9.1%. It was at 1% when he took office, and she's bragging that he turned the economy back on. That's hilarious. I mean, seriously. What's equally hilarious is that they just passed a bill that is going to raise taxes during the new begun, newly, newly begun recession, which is something that literally everybody has agreed on all 
points of the political ideological spectrum is a terrible idea. You never raise taxes during a recession. Joe Biden was supposed to have learned that from Barack Obama, who said it many times. And yet that's exactly what they just agreed to do with their new little reconciliation bill and their new trillions or, uh, or uh, excuse me, half a trillion dollars in spending for green uh, energy uh, uh, deals and the rest of their the raise taxes on corporations and spend money like it's free. Uh, they're doing exactly the opposite of what the prescription is from virtually every economist and every politician. And here's Corrine Jean-Pierre. Explaining that. I'm wondering um, where the White House sought assurances that the tenets of that legislation would, in fact, lower inflation. Uh, I mean, I'm just not going to I'm not going to get into uh, uh, specifics or I have no idea. She said she might be pushing Kamala Harris for dumbest member of the Biden administration. In fact, she is. Uh, It's a fight between those two. And we'd have to go into the entirety of the federal government. You might find a few others. But um, the question from the reporter was, you know, where did the White House get these assurances that the reconciliation legislation would, in fact, lower inflation? They want you to believe that spending money, uh, or excuse me, raising taxes and increasing spending during a recession lowers inflation. And she said, can you tell us uh, where they got those assurances? Uh, I'm just not going to get into specifics. In other words, she has no earthly idea which is pretty much what she says in answer to almost every question. Almost every question. She has no idea. I mean, they send her up there with a binder the size of of what used to be a New York City phone book, because they don't have phone books anymore, but you know the size of those. They send her out there with a binder almost trying to anticipate every question she could be asked so she can quickly refer to it because she cannot think on her feet. And most of the time, even with the binder, she can't. I don't have anything. I, I don't have anything. I don't have anything. I, I don't have anything. I don't have anything. I just don't have anything. I don't have anything. I don't have anything. I just don't have anything. Don't have anything. So I don't have anything. I don't have I'm going to stop it there because that's 11 seconds. And that goes on for a minute and 50 seconds. That is just a compilation, a montage of all of the times Corinne Jean-Pierre has asked a question by the press, and she has no answers for them. You talk about a perfect example of quota hiring rather than merit, and there you have it. There you have it. Joe Biden wanted to be able to say, I made history, my cabinet and my administration features more people of different colors and different orientations and different identities and different sexualities, and they're really the rainbow and really trying to mirror the population. He made a point of hiring people based on their identifications with marginalized groups rather than on their qualifications for the job. He did it at the very beginning with his... uh, uh, with his vice presidential choice, he made a point of announcing he was going to do that for the uh, Supreme Court justice if a vacancy became available, and he did it. And then he also did it in his press secretary's role. And and by the way, that's not to say that these people can't be good at their jobs because of their identifications. It's just that they're not, in spite of their uh, their uh, identifications. They're just not. I don't care if you're green or purple or if you like boys or girls or horses, but guess what? Uh, if you're not good at your job, we're going to call you out on it. And she is terrible at her job, much like her boss. And I suppose that's why there was a bit of a uh, 
A uh, bit of a connection there. All right, it's 921. Quick time out. We'll come back. We'll get a couple of calls in here to start the program. Uh, like I said, it is isn't free for all Friday, so we'll get you in as soon as you make those calls because we do have a couple of interviews coming up, including Senate candidate J.D. Vance after the bottom of the hour news. So stay here on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 924, Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. It's Friday. It's a free-for-all Friday. Anything you want to ask, anything you want to comment on, anything you want to talk about is fair game. 216-901-0945. John in uh, Berea is up. Hey, John, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Go ahead, sir. Okay, hi. It occurs to me that, you know, the language is being changed, and we're all to blame for this, because when language is changed, we so quickly accept it. For example, uh, the longest time it was um, global warming, they wanted to look at everything as part of the problem, so they changed the climate change. We accepted that. You just used the 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 first one to go was the uh, the word gay, which used to mean for the for decades, centuries, uh, fr- frivolous happiness or something like that. Now it, that's changed, but we and everybody accepted it, and so now that's where it's changed. And then in your area where you live, I believe you live in Lorain County, they used to have the Lorain Pride Fest, and then I recently heard that they had changed that because it was not going to be associated. Uh, it, 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 it had, that word had been appropriated. So what I'm saying is, is the problem, part of the problem is we so quickly uh, accept these changes, and we should. Well, I, I'm not aware of the Lorraine part you just talked about, um, about the Pride Fest or Pride Parade or, or, or whatever. I'm, I'm actually, and I know they have every year in Lorraine, the city of Lorraine, not Lorraine County, but the city of Lorraine, which is not where I live, uh, they have uh, like the multicultural festival there. I don't know if that was associated with Pride before and before they appropriated the name for the LGBTQ community. I'm not 100% sure. But to your larger point, John, and thank you for the call, you, to your larger point, yeah, people do accept it. But that's exactly the reason why I'm talking about it right now. We We let them change the definition of vaccine. So you know what I did? I stopped using the word vaccine whenever I refer to these shots. I call them profit jabs or profit shots. Or if I need to talk about it in the vaccine, I'll say it with air quotes and point out that I'm using air quotes. Because uh, it's not a vaccine. Vaccines vaccinate, which is a synonym for inoculate. And these do not. They tried to change. And they literally went into the CDC, by the way, in the website, and changed the name of the word or a definition of the word. They changed vaccine from being something that inoculates you from infection to something that can help um, reduce the symptoms when you get infected. It is a complete and utter fraud. So I'll point it out every time I see it. Changing the definition of woman or trying to. Trying to change the definition of mom to birthing person. Trying to change the definition of, of recession. Uh, which has long been accepted as the two negative uh, quarters of negative growth. All of the things that they do, we continue and have to continue to push back on. And even if we do refer to them in such a way, always say that's what they call it now, and and point out you know what the the absurdity of what they're doing. Uh, Cheryl is in uh, Wycliffe next. Hi, Cheryl. Go ahead. Hi. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. Um, I want to know if you or any of our listeners out there have received received a a survey called the American Community Survey put out by the United States Census Bureau. Doesn't sound familiar to me. I haven't seen it. Okay. Okay. You can uh, Google the the American Community Survey. Um, Three times my husband and I received notices in the mail 
They're saying it's the law that you have to fill it out. We've been randomly selected, our address has, not our name. Um, it's vital that we fill it out for our community. Critical needs in the area. Oh, I have the survey. They want to ask you um, your dollar amounts, where you work. You fill it out, check it off. Um, how many minutes does it take you to get to work? What time do you leave to go to work? Um, what's your supplemental security um, income if you get that? What's your social security income if you get that? How much is your person's total total income during the past 12 months? How much is, if you were to sell your home, hmm. um, what do you think that would be worth? How much are your... Uh, gas and electric bills, your property tax. Is this okay? Okay, I, I get it. I, I get it. Yeah, we we, we can't mm -hmm. go through all of them. So so is is this from the government or or are they or are they? This is, is this a private. From, this is no no. This is from the United States Census Bureau. And to to let you in, you can Google this too for a fact. There is a there is a class action lawsuit against the United States Census Bureau right now, okay, against the American Community Survey. Hmm. Yes. Okay. And um, it says it's the law. Sounds like a big um, privacy no. breach to me. It sounds like they're trying to well, get everybody's yes, private information. Um, uh, yes, but, it uh, is. And I jumped in on this. I called the uh, parties that are representing the class action lawsuit. Okay, um, and they said if you don't fill this out, we will send a Census Bureau worker to your home to fill it out with you. No, you won't. Good How luck. many cars do you have in your driveway? Right now, <laughs> this is bad. Yeah, no, that and, is uh, see, and that's very different. And Cheryl, thank you for the phone call. Um, that's very different than than what an actual government survey uh, is. Um, I, I, I. I I'm struggling to believe that that is actually from the government. I think that is somebody trying to threaten and scare people because the government actually cannot send people to do that. Uh, I think this is somebody trying to use through fraud the threat of government coming to your home or government agents coming to your home in order to get your information, to get your private information. That sounds like a scam to me, uh, but I would certainly look at it if I had a chance to. I did get a survey in the mail from the CDC Foundation. And the CDC Foundation sent me a survey uh, one, or, uh, to um, uh, complete about health-related behaviors. You know, this is all about the pandemic response. And they sent me two bucks. They literally, there were two bucks attached to the letter. And everybody got one of these, I think. And then if you complete it and send it in, they'll send you ten more. So for twelve bucks, will you, will you complete this survey? It's still sitting in front of me. I haven't decided yet. Okay, 930. We're going to talk to J.D. Vance coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. Radio with Bob Frantz on The Answer.
938 now, Always Right Radio. Thanks for being with us. Don't forget it's online at alwaysright.us. Alwaysright.us. There's a new uh, new t-shirt design, by the way, for sale in our web store. Yeah, it's uh, Juck Bo Fiden. All right? Just just like it sounds. Juck Bo Fiden. Uh, it's popular. People are, people are digging it. Uh, they're going really quickly. Uh, if you want to get them, I don't know exactly what the supply Chris is going to have on hand, uh, but they're going quickly, and I wouldn't uh, take too long. Go to the uh, web store at alwayswrite.us, alwayswrite.us. Let's welcome now, back to our program, GOP candidate for United States Senate running against Tim Ryan to replace Rob Portman. J.D. Vance back with us now on AM 1420, the answer. J.D., good to have you back on the program. How are you, sir? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Always a pleasure to chat. So, J.D., Bidenflation has such a nice ring to it, just like Bidenomics does. Biden's session doesn't flow as well, but it's just <laughs> as dangerous uh, to middle-class Americans. Um, what do you make of the left's reimagining of the word recession? What do you make of their, 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 their desire to say, no, 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 we haven't for decades and decades and decades uh, used the technical definition of, of recession as two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. They're literally trying to rewrite that word like they did vaccine, like they did woman, like they did mother. They're, they're trying to change the uh, our vernacular, I guess, in order to advance their agenda. But But this is a legitimate recession, isn't it? Uh, it certainly is, and I, it's something straight out of George Orwell, Bob, because it's not just, you know, you mentioned, you know, redefining gender, redefining recession, redefining whether an open border is, in fact, a secure border. And the thing that I don't understand about what they're doing is, look, man, it, it's not like if we're not in a technical recession that all of us are looking around saying, oh, man, things are great because Janet Yellen said that we don't technically fit the definition of recession. Like, th- people realize that things aren't going very well. And so rather than, like, fix the underlying problem, they're haggling over the definition of the word. I just find it so bizarre. Like, I, I obviously disagree with it. I also don't know what they think they're actually doing. Well, you know, I found it interesting, Biden's statement, um, you know, about the, the GDP number and about the two consecutive quarters. He never, ever mentions the word recession. He's leaving that to all of his flunkies to go out there and say it's not really a recession. But all he continues to focus on is the one economic metric that is going well for the country, and that is unemployment continues to be low. Now, we have to take into consideration, obviously, the workforce participation rate, which plays a factor in that, too. But it is literally the one economic indicator that is going well now, and that's the only one they grab onto. They won't talk about the uh, the, the CPI at 9.1%. They won't talk about uh, the uh, actual wholesale uh, inflation rate. Uh, they don't want to talk about uh, energy costs, gas costs, and so forth, other than to say that, hey, it's gone down 60 cents in the last 34 days. We're doing a great job. Never mind the fact that you raised it by $3 with your terrible policies. So the one metric they have is unemployment, and they think that, C that means we're not in a uh, in a recession. Well, I just don't know anybody who actually buys this, Bob. I know you don't. I don't think most of the people in Ohio do either. I mean, look, we, we we have a situation where every single small and large business that I talk to is desperate to find workers. We know, as you said, the labor force participation rate is low. And so how do you square that circle of labor force participation is low, uh, but also also unemployment is, is declining? Well, it's because so many people have just dropped out of the workforce altogether. And so, I mean, I guess it is a good thing for people to get back to work and to be searching for jobs. That's obviously a good thing. Um, but it's not a good thing 
that you still have so many people who have dropped out entirely, right? So, so, so the economic indicators here are all pointing in the negative direction. And and the really crazy part about this, you know, this is this is sort of the maximum Orwell thing that's going on right now, is they're proposing a piece of legislation called the Inflation Reduction Act that spends <laughs> hundreds of billions of dollars of taxpayer money, Bob. And, and of course, if you look at what it actually does, you know, one of its big provisions is giving rich people money to buy electric vehicles. Like, how is that going to solve the inflation crisis? And how is that something the government should be involved in, even if we didn't have an inflation crisis? It's all just so, so insane. And I have to say, Bob, that the guy who has supported Joe Biden 100% of the time is Tim Ryan, because we know that as he pretends in Ohio to be a moderate, he has supported every single one of these inflationary policies, every single one of these recessionary policies, and people, I think, are just fed up. They're sick of it, and they want just a little bit of sanity. Yeah, just a little bit. That's that's uh, that's not too much to ask. We're talking to J.D. Vance, of course, Ohio uh, candidate, GOP candidate for the Senate seat currently held by Rob Portman. This, this race, J.D., is so much more important now, and, and at least it's more clear now, I guess, than ever before because of Joe Manchin suddenly caving and you know, to the Biden gangrene movement, uh, you know, everybody knows. And, and, and Barack Obama talked about this. Joe Biden was in the room. He ought to remember it, that you don't raise taxes during a recession. And this is a massive tax increase, a tax increase on businesses, tax increase on, increase on corporations, the ones that are going to have to find a way to deal with the, the, the higher taxes they have to pay now. And they're probably going to do what? Mm, raise prices on an already overinflated uh, you know, uh, consumer market right now. Um, so, you know, we we need we need to we can't count on people that are moderate like Joe Manchin to save us from his own party all the time. We really need this race, and we need a whole lot of other races because um, I don't see JD. I don't see them changing uh, uh, direction if they you know if they uh, if they continue to hold that Senate. No, I don't think so. And, and Bob, for the last couple of years, I've I woke up and I've said my prayers for Joe Manchin and and Kirsten Cinema, and uh, you know, Same. at least on on some of the big issues, they've been with us. But obviously, on this one, they're, they're just not. Uh, obviously, partisan pressure is just too high, I guess, in this case. But 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 you know, look, the, Joe Manchin is such an interesting case here because the one thing that you would expect a senator from West Virginia to be good at is defending American energy resources. And so if you subsidize electric vehicles, you're subsidizing the manufacture and the mining of those those materials that go in those vehicles in China. If you're subsidizing the green economy, you're fundamentally attacking the coal, the oil, the natural gas-based economy that West Virginia depends on, but obviously we depend on here in Ohio. And and the thing that that just struck me this morning, I I actually went on TV this morning, Bob, and it, it sort of hit me like a ton of bricks that, you hear these Democrats talk all the time about bringing American manufacturing back. But one of the biggest disadvantages American manufacturers have is that we don't have high-quality power. The Chinese are building coal-fired power because the Chinese recognize you can't build a manufacturing economy on solar panels. We are going in the exact opposite direction. At the same time, these clowns say they want to bring back American manufacturing. It just doesn't make sense. You cannot, on the one hand try to encourage manufacturers to come back, and on the other hand, deny them the lifeblood of manufacturing, which is cheap power. 
J.D., that is uh, exactly correct. And, you know, there's a headline in the Times, the Hong Kong Sunday Times from just nine days ago, July 20th, headline, China orders 300 million more tons of coal to be mined a year. China relies on coal for about 60% of their energy needs. We are going to be relying on coal more than we ever have before, even as they claim they're trying to kill fossil fuels. Because guess what powers the electricity that is going to be needed for tens of millions of of, uh, vehicles in the United States of America, electric vehicles? Well, wait. I, I thought that when you plugged your 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 car into the wall, it came from the magic energy fairy. Bob, is that is that not right? Are, are you telling me that that electricity is actually powered by fossil fuels? Of course, you're right. This is crazy. This idea that you could have an electric vehicle based economy. Where does the power come from? We know that it comes from fossil fuels. Uh, I was in Warren, Ohio, not too far from 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 you uh, yesterday, Bob, and. You know, I went to one of one of the great uh, steel manufacturing facilities that, that still exists in our state, and and you know you see everybody they're they're welding, they're working with the steel, and you know what they need to do? You know what just hit an all time high two days ago? Natural gas. We are crushing the American economy, especially the American manufacturing economy, and we're doing it so that we can shift it to the dirtiest economy in the world, the Chinese. It doesn't make environmental sense. It doesn't make economic sense. And it makes me wonder, you know, there's something kind of dark going on here. So if you, if you think of, like, the guy who runs BlackRock, Larry Fink, he's the guy behind all of this ESG investing. He will not let American investors put money in American fossil fuels, but he will force American companies to do business in China, the dirtiest economy in the world. Like, what, what are these people doing if not destroying the foundation of American prosperity? That is exactly what they're doing. There is no alternate answer to that question. We're talking to J.D. Vance. He is running for the United States Senate against uh, Tim Ryan. By the way, the energy ferry that you talked about, uh, clearly we both saw the same video from last month of the um, uh, the G- CEO of General Motors. Did, uh, is that what you were referring to? The, the, I, I haven't seen it, no. Oh, my gosh, J.D., I'll send it to you when we're done. The okay. CEO of General Motors is on video, and they were, they were bragging about this new um, – uh, uh, the the Volt, the new version of the of the Chevy Volt, which is fine, good good for them. That's that's fine. Do your thing, and see what the market will bear. But um, she, it, a reporter there asked her about the powering of the Volt and about the powering of the batteries, and they said, you know, where does the uh, where does the electricity come from? And she turned around and she said, that building right there. Uh, you know, there, there's there's outlets right there. There's there's two outlets right there. And they said, no, where does that come from? She said, no, that building right there. And they they literally had to like bludgeon her with this for her to realize that electricity it doesn't come from electricity ferry that that building gets its from a power plant and through the conductors and so on and so forth um, uh, that are run primarily off of coal and in some cases natural gas as well so. Uh, it's a phenomenal video. I thought you had seen it when you brought that up because it played in perfectly. Uh, let me move on. J.D., the calendar is about to flip to August. Uh, puts us about three months from the election. He, Ryan, continues to spend heavy on TV. Media continues to give him a ton of press. Can you talk about strategy now that we're moving closer? And can you talk about the fundraising disparity that continues to exist, at least according to what I read, uh, and whether any of that has changed since the last time we talked about that? Yeah, so so let's talk about the fundraising disparity because this is why Tim Ryan is able to spend on TV. And I encourage your listeners, if they're interested in helping us, go to JDVance.com. This is a big part of how we close the gap is Tim Ryan has an unlimited fountain of money from national Democratic donors. And let me just give you a couple of statistics because it both highlights our problem but also the broader problem with our party. So I raised 
$1.3 million last quarter. Tim Ryan raised about $9 million. So that's a very, very big disparity. Go next door in, in, in Pennsylvania. Oz, the Republican, raised $1.6 million. Fetterman, the Democrat, raised $14 million. And if you go across the country, you see the same disparity replaying itself. Maybe not quite as bad as in Pennsylvania, uh, but, but you know, we're, we're actually lucky by national standards in that we're able to raise enough money, at least that we're going to be able to be on TV in the last in the last few months of this race. Uh, my strategy, Bob, because we recognize this disparity, and even in the best-case scenario, we knew it was going to be there, we wanted to spend money on TV when it was maximally effective. And I think we're getting pretty close to that, actually. I think you know, people are going to start seeing our ads uh, here in the next couple of weeks, if not sooner, because I want to hit people when they're actually paying attention. And you may remember, Bob, in the, in the primary – um, you know, I was the last guy to go on TV, and part of the reason was, you know, I, as much as it's annoying to see your competitors' um, advertisements, I, I want to spend our campaign's resources wisely, and I want us to talk to people when they're actually listening. And so we, we, this is a very deliberate strategy we've had. We will be on TV, and we will be telling the story of Tim Ryan, the fraud, because while he says he's pro-police, he was calling police systemically racist a couple of years ago. While he says he, he supports American manufacturing, he was actually uh, a huge opponent of the Ohio energy economy that's necessary to bringing the manufacturing back. And, and, and I just don't think this, this reputation that Tim has tried to cultivate as a moderate can possibly withstand his own words and his own actions. So we're going to hit him. We're going to hit him pretty hard. And I, and I think that we're going to be in a very good place come November. Well, I mean, I think he's trying to pull something off even worse than I'm a moderate. I mean, if you if you really take his ads in total, you almost would think that Donald Trump endorsed him. But with everything that he has said, uh, he, he yep. sounds like America first. It's crazy, and it belies his his record, as you say, his voting record with Joe Biden, uh, his voting record with uh, you know with with Chuck Schumer. Uh, it is it's extraordinary uh, that he's trying to pull this over. But again, he's counting on a whole lot of people in the state that don't know his record, uh, you know from uh, you know from Northeast um, and and you know in Youngstown. So that's the uh, that's the issue there. He's he's really counting on people's ignorance. Um, J.D., I want to ask you briefly about immigration. You've spoken sure. at length about your family's personal history with opioids. Obviously, everybody knows the book, maybe saw the movie, and why that's so uh, personal to you, that we seal the border and stop the flow of fentanyl and other drugs into the country. And I'm just curious about your reaction to D.C. Mayor Mur- Muriel Bowser, who this week is suddenly interested in the border. After uh, Texas Governor Greg Abbott started sending busloads of illegal aliens and potentially the drugs they carry to big cities like hers, instead of just letting the small towns in the border states endure the full brunt of of illegal immigrant crime and drugs, suddenly they're landing in her door on her doorstep, and she's calling for the National Guard. Isn't yep. it an astounding thing that the, the left doesn't care about illegal immigration until it shows up on, uh, it shows up in their own backyards? Uh, this Yes, absolutely. This makes me so angry, Bob, because the things that Muriel Bowser is saying, the problems caused by illegal immigration, the stress on resources, uh, the infrastructure stress, the fact that they don't know what to do with these kids at their schools, these are the same things that you and, and I and so many conservatives have been saying for the last couple of years, and every single time we say it, they call us the racists, they call us xenophobes. This is the problem when you don't have control over who comes into your country, your city, your state, whatever the case may be. And the fact that she's echoing our talking points with 4,000 illegal immigrants in Washington, D.C., obviously a very big city, suggests how big of a problem this is, but also how bad faith the Democratic elites have been about this. We know these issues are there. They have been there. 
They're coming to the surface now, but we have got to get control of the situation. And we've got to send politicians, right, who do not care what the mainstream media calls them. Because while Muriel Bowser, baby, is just waking up to this problem, here in Ohio, all across the country, we've been aware of this problem for a long time. You talk to a sheriff, Bob, talk to a sheriff in our state, and they will tell you that two layers behind the street dealer that you, you arrest on the street, there is a Mexican drug cartel providing that, that person the drugs. That, that, that is how close the Biden border crisis is to the problems here in Ohio. I can't believe that the media is giving these people a free pass. But, of course, I should believe it uh, because that's how they operate. Yeah, no, they certainly do, and uh, and that's a great point uh, about talking to the sheriffs. They know, uh, and I just love the fact that what Greg Abbott did is actually working, and he's he's showing them. Look at what you are trying to put the citizens of Texas and Arizona and New Mexico and other places through, because you know this doesn't touch you. We're going to show you what it's like, and we're going to show you what this uh, what this feels like. And suddenly they're screaming, "Don't do this anymore!" I say they double down. I I think every. Every uh, governor uh, that is willing to do this, if they have people crossing into um, uh, into their into their states, let's now focus on Martha's Vineyard. Let's send them to Malibu. Let's send them uh, to you know again. This is all by choice. It's all, all voluntary. They give them offer to give these people bus rides into big cities. Send them to where the elite Democrats, who seemingly don't think illegal immigration can touch them, where it touches them. Send them to yep. the coast. Send them just like they did to D.C. and let them deal with it and see firsthand. And you know what? I bet you might start seeing, J.D., you think we might start seeing Democrats actually saying uh, that wall maybe was not such a terrible idea. I think that's exactly what we'll see, and it's a great idea. And I, I would just love to give these people a little bit of taste of their own medicine because we have such a crisis here, Bob. I mean, it's not just the drug trafficking. It's the sex trafficking. You know how many oh. times? Uh, that teenagers and, and below, God forbid, have been have been picked up in sex trafficking rings in the state of Ohio. You know, Toledo, just because it's along the I-75 corridor, has become a bit of a hotbed sex trafficking activity. It, it's just so disgusting what they've what they've let happen to our country. Uh, and, and yeah, I think we give them a taste of their own medicine, not because we're vengeful, but because maybe then they'll wake up and help us start to fight back against this problem. Yeah, no, very well said. It's not about vengeance, but it's about you. If you, yeah, some of these, it's it's you know, if they don't see it, they think it doesn't exist. Uh, and as long as they keep it at arm's length, they can continue to ride their high horse and say we need to be compassionate and welcome these humanitarian people suffering from humanitarian crises into our country. As long as they can keep it away from themselves, they can virtue signal like that. Once they actually have to deal with it, now it's a different story. It's not about vengeance. It's about it's about you know educating them on what the real problem is. J.D. Vance, yep. uh, candidate for Senate, running against Tim Ryan, trying to stop the lies uh, from the Ryan campaign. J.D., thanks for the time. We appreciate it. We'll check in with you again soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Bob. You got it. It's, uh, 956, Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob Franz on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed. Hour number two underway now on this Friday. It's nine minutes past 10 o'clock on the 29th morning of the seventh month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Thanks for being with us. Thanks again to J.D. Vance. If you missed that interview, 
as always, we tell you then uh, that you're going to have to go for, listen to it. Listen to it. If you missed part of it, listen to the entire thing. It's at alwayswrite.us. It will be shortly anyway. Alwayswrite.us. Alwayswrite.us. You can also go directly to the source at whkradio.com. Uh, J.D., it was a good conversation. There's a lot going on in that Senate race, and obviously the stakes could not be higher for us to take back control of the Senate, particularly after you know one of the guys we were counting on to not screw us, uh, Joe, Joe Manchin, inevitably did and uh, agreed to help raise taxes with this massive reconciliation bill now at the beginning of a recession, despite the fact, of course, that the left wants to redefine the word recession. Joining us now to talk about that and a whole lot more is our good friend Peter Kersenow, the longest-serving member in the history of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. Peter is a best-selling author. He is a columnist. He is an attorney. He is a jack-of-all-trades. He also does the Kersenow Report, which you hear on AM 1420, The Answer. Pete, good morning, my friend. How are you, sir? You know, it's a beautiful day in Cleveland, Bob. I'm I'm psyched, uh, you know, looking forward to the weekend. I've been working pretty hard for several months in a row, and I'm just going to try to take a little bit of time off this weekend. I'll be writing my novels, though. I'm still working on another novel, but uh, looking forward to the weekend. How uh, how are you taking time off when don't you have to be at camp in Berea? I'm in such good shape, and I've been doing it for so long that they've given me a pass, you know. I think I'll enter, you know, the opening game, you know, I'll just probably enter uh, right around the second quarter and uh, catch a couple passes, and so, you know. It's, it's, it's part for the course. You're 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 raising your uh, you're you're raising your your ambitions here. You now a couple of passes. I thought it was cursing off for one. That's it, just one play, cursing off one. Now you, you want know, a couple of passes. Time's short. Life is short. <laughs> I don't know when I get another opportunity, you know? I got you, brother. I got you. All right, uh, Peter Kirstenow, there's a lot, obviously, to, to talk about here. Um, I want to start where I ended my conversation with J.D. Vance, just because I want to get your perspective on this. It's so... It's, it's, it's comical, except you can't laugh because it's so infuriating, too. The left... Um, essentially says, we need to be compassionate. What's wrong with you racist Republicans? Let all of these brown and black people from uh, from you know Central America and from around the globe, let them into this country. They have humanitarian crises in their, in their countries. Let them in here. And they always say that as long as they are being kept in the small border towns, uh, you right. know, uh, in, in Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, so on. But Governor Greg Abbott back in April started busing uh, illegal aliens across the border uh, who are willing to get on the buses to, to Washington, D.C. And now after two, two and a half, three months of this, Muriel Bowser is calling for the National Guard. Right. Get them yep. out of here. They're, <laughs> this is terrible. They had all these illegal aliens. They're homeless and they're using drugs and they're selling drugs and we got to get them out of here. And I'm just curious as to what point uh, you know, somebody is going to say, Muriel Bowser, are you racist against black and brown people? Because you're trying to say that you don't want them near you. You don't want them in your communities. You welcome them into the country as long as you can't see them or hear them or touch them or smell them or be impacted by them. As long as you don't have them near you, you're fine with illegal aliens. That's pretty racist, isn't it? Yeah, poetic justice, uh, you know, they meaning the left, constantly lectures us about, you know, being compassionate and, you know, these illegal immigrants, they, they're just simply seeking refuge and all of this, as long as they're concentrated in red areas. No problem. And remember, for about a year now, the Biden administration 
tried surreptitiously to transport these people free plane tickets, let alone buses, you know, free, free plane tickets wherever you want to go. And they were doing that and sending them to all manner of locale in the dead of night, not telling people where they were. But here finally, and I'm glad, I, I remember, I think you and I may have talked about it when it first happened or when Abbott of Texas said he was going to do it. And I cheered. I said, it's about time Republicans start doing things like this because every other mechanism they've tried to employ, employ has failed. And because the media has been covering all this up. And, and that's another story. You know, we had AOC pretending to go down to the border and crying at uh, caged aliens under the Trump administration when it turned out she was crying about an empty parking lot. The media was all <laughs> over that, you know. But when millions come across, literally millions come across, and we've had scores of people die because of it, including young children, media is nowhere to be seen because we have a Biden administration, a Democratic administration. This is imperative that the Democrat or the Republican governors need to do. You know, I'm not in favor of these kinds of displays necessarily. Uh, but I think you have to have some guts. You have to fight back hard. You have to punch back twice as hard. We've got a country to save, as Larry used to say. I mean, this is an amazing thing that's happening, and I'm glad to see the hypocrisy from people like Miro Bowser being displayed for all to see. Now, I don't know, because I don't watch these channels. I don't know if ABC, NBC, and all the other alphabet uh, networks have been displaying uh, this hypocrisy on the part of Bowser and others. Er These blue cities need to be burdened with this because they're the ones enabling Biden's program. This is a travesty. There are national security implications. There's crime implications. We've got a fentanyl epidemic directly related to the open border that the Chinese are helping uh, supply. This is craziness. It's sheer craziness. And at some point, we have to rise up and take matters into our own sense. I don't mean an insurrection or anything like that, but we have to start using tactics similar to what we're seeing from Abbott and others and uh, shove it down the Democrats' throat. Well, yeah, they just need to find more places. Now that they see it's literally having an impact by sending yep. them to D.C., send them to Martha's Vineyard, send them to uh, to Malibu, send them to you know where the the elite Democrats live, and they don't feel touched by illegal immigration. Put Precisely. those people in those communities and let them deal with it, and let them see how compassionate they are. Will they open their doors to these people and say, "Come live in my mansion, you poor uh, you know um, uh, asylum." seeking uh, uh, immigrant, uh, let us help you? Or will they be calling for the National Guard? Keep these people away from me the way Muriel Bowser has. I mean, I think right. this could be a tipping point. I really do. Yeah, I do. I do. And Bob, I would, I would take it just a little bit further. I wouldn't simply just, you know, let these people off. And apparently these people are being asked voluntarily where they want to go, and they go there, d despite Muriel Bowser claiming that they've been somehow tricked. Uh, but they're going to where they've requested to be transported. They're transporting them there. I would happily send donations down to Texas to fund this, no doubt about it. And I think most Americans would. They'd have caravans going. But I think it's not simply just sending them to, say, a Washington, D.C. or New York City because, you know, you got uh, uh, the uh, – what's his name from um, New York City also complaining about this too. But I would Adams. send them – 
Right. I would send them directly to the doorsteps. I'd send them to Chevy Chase, Maryland, to, you know, wherever Nancy Pelosi's residence in Washington, D.C. is. Let them off right there, right in front of Muriel Bowser's home, right in front of Chuck Schumer's Washington home, right in front of Pelosi's Washington home. Do that. And let's see how quickly they start changing their minds about these. And not just a few busloads. I'm talking about lots of busloads. And let's supply them, too. I'd gladly donate to have tents set up there. Let them build tents there. Give tents and other supplies to to these illegal immigrants. Be compassionate, you know, give them a place to stay in front of or on Pelosi's lawn. Yeah, and and by the way, you're naming politicians and legislators and governors and so forth and that's that's great. I wouldn't stop there. I would send them to the communities in which the celebrities live, the ones that yep. continue to call us racist for wanting a so- our sovereignty uh, protected, who want a, an end to the drug trafficking and human trafficking and all the other things that are coming across that border, all the things that Donald Trump warned about, by the way, when he came down the escalator and said, we're going to build a big, beautiful wall. Having said that, Peter, um, this headline literally just came across my screen. It was from earlier this morning, but I just now saw it. Biden administration quietly approving construction of the U.S.-Mexico border wall near Arizona. For those who didn't hear it, uh, Biden's mantra during his campaign for the presidency was not another foot talking about the construction of that wall. But on Thursday, the Biden administration approved a plan to complete a section of the border wall near Yuma, Arizona. The plan includes filling four major gaps in the wall that continue to allow the Yuma area to be one of the busiest corridors for illegal immigration crossings. Are you kidding me, Peter? How can they say this is a huge area when they are also saying that illegal immigration is not a problem? We don't have a problem with letting asylum seekers come here. It's part of our, it's part of our history. It's part of our tradition. It's part of what we do. You know, well, bring, bring us your poor, your hungry, uh, your, those yearning to breathe free. Now they see so many, well, there's a lot of those yearners coming through here. Let's let's build a wall here. If you can build a wall there, how do you then condemn Donald Trump for wanting to build a wall across the entire expanse? And they're doing it quietly. That's the key. They're doing it quietly so as not to upset their base who wants to maintain the open border. It's unsustainable. They know it's unsustainable. It's, it must be at this point, beyond what we've heard with respect to the buses going to D.C., there must be other avenues or other venues where it's affecting the blue states and blue cities and Democrats generally. Clearly, the Democrats know that in the advent of the midterms, this is an unpopular policy, this open border policy. And, you know, call me cynical, but I think this, even though it's being quietly done, I just simply think that this is a Band-Aid until such time as they get beyond the midterms. They're going to get a bloodbath no matter what. But I think they've recognized that some of their more insane policies, and I'm saying more insane policies, because virtually every policy we hear from these guys now is insane. It's one of the reasons why Hispanics at historic levels, and blacks also, are migrating toward the Republican Party. But they've got to get some kind of control of this, at least make it look like they're serious, even if it's just temporary. Because remember, they were the ones calling for defunding police. Now they're denying they ever called for defunding the police. They're the ones calling for open borders. Now they're claiming no open borders. Everything they've done, seriously, everything they've done has damaged the republic and damaged individual Americans in palpable ways. They've got to reverse it momentarily, cosmetically, because now even their media allies can't cover up this debacle. 
Peter Kirsten now joining us on AM 1420. The answer, we'll take our time out here. We'll come back and talk about damaging the average American uh, in another way. A reconciliation bill, Joe Manchin caved. It's a skinnier bill than what Build Back Better was, but it is still devastating. It still increases taxes. They're going to lead to higher prices, all in the name of appeasing the gangrene, Biden's gangrene. We'll talk about that with Kirsten now next on AM 1420. The answer. Ten twenty three now, Always Right Radio on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Thanks for being with us. Don't forget, check out AlwaysRight.us. You'll find all of the lead stories of the day, conservative news and views, uh, all uh, uh, com- uh, compiled in one convenient source for you at AlwaysRight.us. My friend Pete just said, not Pete Kersenow, a different Pete said, I want to send a busload of illegals to arrive in Delaware at about 4.45 on a Saturday, just when Biden is getting out of his 4 o'clock Saturday mass. That is another great idea. Put them in Delaware. Put them on the beach right next to Joe's Beach House. That would be another way to make a great point. Let's continue now with Peter Kersenow. Pete, um, Joe Manchin was, you know, I mean, really, he really has been stalwart for us in a lot of ways. You know, he's not going to vote to to eliminate the legislative filibuster. He's not going to vote to pack the court. He's not going to allow those things to happen. But we knew he wasn't going to be there for the conservative movement 100 percent of the time. He's a Democrat, after all. And now we found, you know, what we expected was true. He agreed to a deal with Schumer. I don't know if they have something on him. I don't know if they enticed him or if he just had a change of heart on Build Back Better uh, or Build Back Broke. But um, he said inflation is the number one issue for his people, his uh, constituents in West Virginia. And yet he has now agreed to a tax and spend reconciliation bill that is going to raise prices. Uh, It's not going to be an inflation reduction act. It's going to be an inflation increasing act. Your thoughts, sir? Well, you've summarized it really well there. What's peculiar to me is this, if if there's any state that's going to be disproportionately harmed by this bill, it's his own state. Uh, It's truly kind of extraordinary. He's been fairly stalwart with respect to protecting the interests of his state, which is either the second or third reddest state in the entire country after Oklahoma possibly Wyoming. We'll see how they do with respect to their uh, favorite senator there, but uh, or, or congressperson there. And uh, this, this is going to do enormous harm to the state of West Virginia, because this is essentially, you know, the, a, a little kind, slightly slimmed down, if anyone can call $740 billion in spending slimmed down. I mean, we, this is where we've gotten today, where $740 billion is considered a slimmed down, build back better bill. That's it. Well, uh, this, but, is the same, Pete, this is the same country <clears throat> in which 430 a gallon is considered to be cheap gas. According yeah, right, to the administration, yeah. they're celebrating 430 aren't, because aren't it was just $5. Congrats. Yeah, aren't we supposed to congratulate Putin because doesn't he control our gas prices? So <laughs> the fact that it's coming down, I, we should say, hey, thanks a lot, Vladimir. I mean, this, this is a kind of idiocy that's prevailing. Our media propagates this, and unfortunately, too many of our countrymen who've been educated in government schools believe this stuff. It's just, I, it's extraordinary. Bob, you and I have been talking about this for so long, but we're reaching almost critical stupidity or peak stupidity in this country. Um, and I hate to say that about my fellow countrymen, but there's a huge cohort of people who are accepting things. They believe the opposite of what's in front of their own eyes. So Manchin votes for this thing. 
Who knows how it happened? I blame, put a lot of the blame on Republicans for being strategically or actually tactically idiotic. The fact that they voted for the semiconductor bill, another blowout, another corporate welfare spender-rama that was the quid pro quo. I mean, it, it, they voted for that, which opened up the avenue to vote for this bill. They should have, because they were held in lockstep, they should have held firm. But no, 17 Republicans, including one of our own senators from this state, voted for that bill, and then Manchin was able to vote for the semi. I'm, I'm sorry, the uh, uh, stripped down Build Back Better, stripped down at $740 billion, and now it's all up to Kirsten Cinema. We haven't heard from her yet, but unfortunately, I don't think as the sole holdout, she's going to be holding no, out anymore. I don't either. Now she she had she had the guts to do it with Manchin, you know, the two of them side by side. But uh, no, not not on her own. I uh, I completely concur. So you know, again, you know, if you look back uh, historically, of course, we know what uh, the worst thing in the world you can do during a recession is raise taxes. Barack Obama right. even said that, and that was the the lesson uh, that that Joe Biden should have learned. Uh, there's footage of this from around the last recession, the Great Recession, they called it. Obama in 2009, August of 2009, quote: "The last thing you want to do." Is raise taxes in the middle of a recession because that would just suck up, take more demand out of the economy, and put business in a further hole. Now he said this with Joe Biden standing at his side. Now here we are, literally. And and Pete, I guess you know as we talked before about uh, you know tra- changing the definition of words, changing the definition of vaccine, changing the definition of woman, changing the definition of recession. I kind of see the the game now. You have to make sure nobody thinks they're a recession. Then they can't claim that we raised taxes during a recession. Yeah, there, there's certain things you can fool people about, or that people, because they don't have sufficient interest or skin in the game, may let you give, you know, give you a pass because it doesn't affect them. This is not one of those things, and they can play these Orwellian word games with recession and uh, whether or not spending or anything of that nature, but no one's believing them. Everyone knows what a recession is. Everybody knows what a recession is, even if you can't define it like a uh, you know Fed Reserve chairman or an economist can. You know what a recession is, and you know what inflation is, and everyone's experiencing it right now. It's just hurting everybody. The last time we were in this posture was back in the late 70s, early 80s. And you know, there's a number of your listeners out there who contact me very often who are about the same age, who bought their houses during that period of time. Remember 15.5% interest rates when they bought their homes, and we are... We are failing to learn the lessons of history. And although that was 40 years ago, that's not that long ago. And as I said, a number of your listeners remember that period of time. No one wants to revisit it. I remember that every day I drive to work and, you know, at the same time they would have the stock market report. Stock market right now is, I don't, let me see here, I don't have it right in front of me, but, you know, it's in the 30,000s, 32,000, right? Back then it was at 800. That's how bad things were, all right? Now, I could proportionate basis. It's not quite the same, but it was horrific. And the interest rates were horrific. And the inflation during the late 70s, horrific. Gas prices, relatively speaking, horrific. And we're doing the same thing again. And many of the people in Congress, some of those people were still in Congress back then. That's how sclerotic our system is. But a number of them are old enough to remember that they're revisiting that. Why? Because they don't give a hoot 
about the American people. They care about their agenda. And let's face it also, I hate to say this, and you know, I'm starting to sound like somebody with a tinfoil hat, but we all need to be fitted for tinfoil hats these days because these things are turning out to be true. We're seeing more and more of it. The, the, uh, the FBI, other institutions that we used to respect, turning out to be corrupt at, at the highest levels and also some of the lowest levels. But there's an interest on the part of so many people in feathering the nest of certain, you know, uh, uh, constituency groups to their benefit, and they don't care. It's not bothering them. These things aren't bothering them, especially if you're inside the beltway. These high prices yeah. not affecting them because all these things are subsidized for them. This is horrific. I, I, I said it last week that, you know, Democrats were not, un, inarguably pro-criminal now. They are pro-criminal. But beyond that, Democrats have gotten insane, and unfortunately, Republicans are too stupid to stop them. This, yep. the, the, the whole legislative yep. thing, you know, the great master strategist Mitch McConnell got his head handed to them. So it, this is unforgivable. We have to hold these people to account and, and continually pressure them to do the right thing. Republicans Pete. have got to stop being the stupid party. Pete, uh, Peter Kirstenau is our guest. It's 1032. We're going to catch up on our news here. When we come back, we're going to talk about Taiwan and whether or not Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi will bend at the knee to Xi Jinping. I'll explain that or let Peter explain that and talk about it next day in 1420 The Answer. the light of liberty and holding the line against the darkness of tyranny always right radio with bob france and the answer 1038 now we continue with peter kersenow on a friday a little unusual normally peter's our tuesday guest he's been traveling the last few uh weeks on his uh scheduled appearance here so he's always made it up to us and we certainly appreciate that hey pete lest you think i was kidding or anybody else when i said they're spinning four dollars and thirty cents as good news uh, this is biden economic advisor jared bernstein yesterday uh after we found out about the gdp uh, being uh, a second consecutive quarter of contraction, he said, you know, there's good news. Here's the good news. But there's also some positive uh, news that we should not overlook. I mean, the, the price at the pump is now $4.30 a gallon. I, I, I don't know if these people ever even listen to themselves. He just said, right. there's good news. The price of gas is $4.30 a gallon. This flex on the 60-cent drop or whatever it is over the last 30-plus days, uh, Pete, has been the strangest thing. The Biden Twitter account has just been a fire every day. New drop, a third, you know, 23rd straight day of a, a price drop. Uh, we know that, and this is Biden's handlers, of course, tweeting for him. I know he probably can't find a little keyboard on his phone anyway. But... Um, it, it, they all continue to speak for him, saying, you know, we know that every cent drop is it means a little something to the average American family, and we're delivering for you. And so they're in the 430 national average range now after a month ago being at the $5 national average range. And to me, I just made the... Um, you know, the analogy, it, it would be like somebody gaining 300 pounds and being in very, very serious, you know, jeopardy in terms of their health and then losing 10 and saying, I'm skinny now. What are you bragging about? You, 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 that's what happens when you gain $3 a gallon and then you lose, you know, 60 cents of that, of that $3. You are still not in a good place. You are still in a very, very bad place. And, and they want us to think that they're skinny now because they've lost a couple of pounds. 
it tells you all they've got. They've got all they can do is try to pump up what would otherwise be under any other scenario bad news. The Saturday before the election, I was staring at the pump at and filling up my car at two dollars and sixteen cents a gallon, and we're supposed to be excited because it's fallen to maybe only twice that now. Yeah. And as I said before, I thank Vladimir Putin because if he was responsible for the price <laughs> hike, he must be responsible for this decrease. Why we? Why are we congratulating Biden? Don't ask Green uh, Jean Pierre to explain that. By the way, her head uh, well, will literally she can't explode. Explain, she can't explain her makeup either. I mean, it, she, she, that that is the most pathetic excuse for a press secretary of the greatest country in the history of the world imaginable. It's an insult to us that she's our press secretary. It's an insult to us that, frankly, the entire Biden administration, if, if you just pick apart every single person in every single position, these are some of the most ineffectual, uh, incompetent people and ideologically blinkered people in the history of the United States government. Do I like them? No, I don't. But that doesn't color my judgment, which is actually I'm looking at this in a very sterile fashion. One other point, Bob, you mentioned I was traveling. Uh, and I'm not trying to drop names here. Uh, I'm a Cleveland boy who grew up next to the steel mills here. My father's a steel worker, but I spent the last couple of days in Beverly Hills because I had a negotiation out there. Um, yes, Beverly Hills, California, but what struck me is something we talked about just a few moments ago. Beverly Hills was pristine. It was gorgeous. You know, it's not my cup of tea because it's too, you know, I don't know, it's just, but it's an extremely rich place. I don't think I saw an American car my entire time there. Uh, just everything is extraordinarily priced. Uh, and it was, I said, pristine. I saw no one who even remotely looked like they may be an illegal immigrant there. But when I was traveling back to LAX, to the airport, um, I, you know, I try to be as observant as possible. As soon as you get out of the limits of Beverly Hill, Los Angeles is a war zone. It looks like a third world country. The streets, everything. And I've been, you know, I hadn't been to L.A. before COVID, uh, since before COVID. Uh, and it was bad enough then, but it's gotten even worse now. It looks decrepit. It doesn't look like, you know, a sun city or anything of that nature. It looks almost third world. Some of these policies, inane policies, which are financed in large part by people who live in Beverly Hills and similar places, these things will stop once they start feeling the effects the way the other people of Los Angeles are feeling the effects of the stupid Biden progressive policies with respect to illegal immigration. Again, these people were all, I, I guarantee you, the only things I saw there, I didn't even see a Japanese car. The only things I saw were Porsches, BMWs, and uh, Mercedes. That's all. That's all. I'm not exaggerating. I saw nothing else. And I made a point of looking because it struck me after a while. I said, wait a minute. I haven't seen anything outside of those three models. But once those people start seeing people defecating on their sidewalks, uh, committing crimes and, and things of that nature, those billionaires living there, the ones that finance Stacey Abrams, who gets more than 80% of all her contributions from outside of Georgia, once those people start feeling the effects, once those people have encampments of illegals outside their door, then things are going to change. Pete, uh, you obviously are, are spot on, uh, and it does follow up exactly what we were just talking about. I think we should get that. Just add add Beverly Hills to the list of places, including Delaware in Biden's beach community, including, uh, like we said, Martha's Vineyard, Malibu, and all the other wealthy leftist uh, d- uh, elitist places. Send the busloads, Governor Abbott, uh, to Beverly Hills, because uh, let's, let's see what happens when those pristine streets are no longer quite as pristine. We'll see what those rich elite leftists there have to say about it then. Uh, Pete, before I go to the China question, 
when I interviewed uh, J.D. Vance last half hour, we talked about, uh, you know, about the uh, gangrene and about uh, the, you know, the reconciliation bill that's going to spend on nearly a half a trillion dollars on uh, green initiatives and subsidies for electric vehicles and so on and so forth. And they think they're helping the planet here. And I referenced a video that he, I thought he had seen because he talked about how they seem to think that a uh, power for an electric vehicle comes from the, uh, you know, from the, uh, the energy ferry. And I thought he had seen this. Now, I don't know if you did or not. This is from last month, June 8th. They were doing a big reveal or a big, you know, thing on the new Chevy Volt, uh, in, up in Detroit. Uh, so the GM spokesperson, Kristen Zimmerman, was bragging about this fantastic new, uh, electric vehicle, this Chevy Volt. And she was demonstrating for the media how green the vehicle is. And, um, her, her little presentation was interrupted by one reporter who asked a question. Um, that she certainly was not ready for. And I want you to listen to this real quick. This is only 46 seconds in total. We'll listen. No, the battery in this particular design is a T-shape right down the center and across the back seat area. Because everybody thought we killed the electric vehicle. No, we didn't. It's It's just hilarious, by the way. Now it's a cut to her little Q&A with the reporters who are all there. And she's all, the smugness in her voice and in the sound. She, everybody thought we we killed the electric vehicle. No, we didn't. And she's got this big ear-to-ear smile and this, look what we've done. Now, here comes the uh, question. So what's charging the, the batteries right now? What, where, where, what's the source of a... Oh, here. It's coming from the building. I mean, What's charging the batteries? <laughs> the building. No, 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 no. It gets better. Yeah, is it, um, what's our mix of power? Oh, actually, Lansing feeds the building. Lansing. That's where it comes from. Uh, the power comes from the building, and the power to the building comes from Lansing. Lansing yeah, feeds the building. It's a big ball of energy. Yeah. What's that? Lansing feeds power to the building. So I don't, I don't know. They're, uh... I bet you they're... And it's at this moment she realized <laughs> that, she walked, <laughs> that she walked into a trap set by this reporter about where the power for this battery comes from, and listen to her slip. They're a bit of cold. They're heavy on natural gas, aren't they? She walked right into it and said, oh, uh, maybe I think it relies on a bit of coal and uh, maybe some natural gas. She she thinks natural gas, by the way, might be a little bit less evil than coal. And yes, the reality is the plant that is going to provide the electricity, that is going to power her new little tea battery that goes here and all the way to the back and her little electric vehicle and her little smug uh, self is is powered by 95% coal. So, Pete, it's just so infuriating that not only do they think we are stupid, in many cases they actually are, and they think that the power just comes from, well, it comes from that outlet over there. It's a 220 line, you see, and it provides enough power to charge this electric vehicle. Well, where does that come from? They don't want to think about it, and they sure as hell don't want anybody asking about it. Right. In addition to that, those vehicles have lithium batteries, which come from either the lithium or the batteries themselves, come from China, China, manufactured by slave labor, flat-out slave labor. Yet we're supposed to be celebrating this because it satisfies the green agenda of morons, literal morons like AOC. This is nuts, and we have to fight back on this, push back constantly. I'll tell you what, um, anyone tries to pull these kinds of stunts on the American people should be held to account. That means not just politicians, but these folks who are in the, uh, you know, the financing uh, arm of it, uh, anybody who is 
carrying the water for this falsehood, such as that woman. I, you know, she's too idiotic to really know what she's doing. But all of those people were trying to pull the wool over American eyes, making us poorer, not doing anything for the environment, uh, subsidizing or propping up the slave labor industry in China, this is reprehensible. And, and again, well, I go back to one of my hobby horses. We have to blame the media for not doing their job. They have become hopelessly corrupt and carrying the water for this ridiculous administration and other progressives. Well, as long as we're on the China thing here, just super quick, and about that, too. You know, remember, the whole goal of this gangrene movement here to raise our taxes and everything else and to put us all into EVs is in order to save the planet so we don't have to use fossil fuels. Remember Biden said? You don't have to agree, but I want you to look in my eyes. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, we're going to end fossil fuel, and I am not going to cooperate, okay? Headline from nine days ago, the Sunday Times in Hong Kong. China orders 300 million more tons of coal to be mined per year. Right. So even if, let's just say for the sake of the discussion, even if we could do something that might make a dent in the carbon dioxide emissions uh, that they claim is warming the planet, and by the way, that also is a lie. You and I have talked about the percentage of the atmosphere, which is uh, carbon, and what our percentage of our contribution to that is. Uh, it is so minuscule, it's not, even, it's not even worth discussing. But even if you felt like we could make a difference, anything we could do in in what Biden said here, literally ending fossil fuels, is going to be offset by this population, this massive population of Chinese and India, of people who are going to be using more fossil fuels than ever before. They're not going to cut down on their emissions, so why on earth should we collapse our economy trying to do something that is absolutely not going to have a global impact? Can't say it any better than that. And last year, China built, I believe it was 62 new coal-powered plants. That dwarfs anything that we could do in terms of reduction of alleged greenhouse gases. I'm going to accept, for for purposes of argument, their terms. I don't accept the substance of it, obviously, but for purposes of the rhetoric, China alone swamps anything that we have in their coal production, swamps anything we have done or could have done to reduce greenhouse emissions. Same with India. That's not going to change in the foreseeable future, because guess what? They don't care. They're trying to do Two things. Number one, supplant us as the world's superpower. Number two, in the process, increase the standard of living for their population because they know they've got some unrest there. And those people aren't going to continue to be supplicants to Xi and the the regime. At some point, a billion plus people are going to say, well, wait a minute. You know, how about us having a good time here? So this is a problem that they refuse, meaning our administration and the woke elite and all these financers, BlackRock and all the others who have the ESG agenda, they will not honestly acknowledge and it's harming the american people especially those in the middle class and down we can't accept this idiocy anymore it's based on a false premise but more importantly it is it's depressing the standard of living for the greatest country in the history of the world whose people worked hard to get to this point in which the democrats are actively now trying to undermine and suppress unforgivable and i'll tell you what my greatest ire is directed at the republicans who we elect to stand firm against this. And what do they do? Whenever they get a chance, they do something stupid or they're complicit in what the Democrats do. Uh, what do we need a Republican Party for if they're not going to stand up for our interests? And, and, and we better start, uh, you know, whatever you think of Donald Trump, he was not like previous Republican presidents or previous Republican leaders who 
folded at the drop of a hat. We need somebody with a spine. I'm not necessarily saying it's going to be with Donald Trump, but somebody with a spine. Yeah, we do. And then the last thing here I have to ask you about, as I mentioned Xi Jinping before the last break, um, Xi Jinping has warned Biden and Nancy Pelosi to, quote, not play with fire. Speaking of Pelosi's trip to Asia, which she is departing for today, uh, and it is now unclear as to whether or not she is going to go to Taiwan, Xi Jinping is literally daring uh, Biden yeah. and the United States to cross him. If you send Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House of Representatives, to Taiwan, he is essentially threatening us. Now, I'm not saying he's threatening us with World War III, but what do you make of that, and what should we do in response? Well, Pelosi needs to go now. It's imperative that she goes. Whether or not I thought it was a good idea in the beginning is immaterial. Now she must go. Agreed. Not because of her or anybody else like that. But here's the thing. Eleven months ago, this was the die was cast. You and I discussed this. As soon as we had that great, unforgivable, shameful debacle in Afghanistan, where we left people behind, Putin, Xi, and any other bad actor in the world noted it, made just plans for when they were going to take advantage of the United States of America. They know we have a guy who is not just incompetent in the White House, not just stupid in the White House, both of which are true, but has no spine whatsoever and governs a party or is the leader of a party that has been selling out American strategic interests at least since the Clinton administration. They know now's their time to act. You and I, on a number of occasions leading up to the election, talked about the probability that if Biden were to win, there would be that narrow window of opportunity for Xi to take Taiwan. And they are becoming more militant out there. They have more flyovers of Taiwan out there. Their ships are crossing uh, the, the Chinese Sea and daring anybody to come into the Chinese Sea, claiming it's their territorial waters. This is unforgivable. We have to stand strong. I hate to do something like that. I don't want to yeah. be confrontational. I don't want to, you know, just, you know, puff ourselves out there, you know, because we're big and tough. That could possibly lead to a war where others, because I'm too old, are going to have to fight. But if we don't do something like that, unfortunately, Biden's timidity, Biden's stupidity has cast this path already. We're on a path that you can't avoid, and we have to stand strong against China now. Otherwise, we're going to get swamped. Otherwise, who knows? I believe that there's a good probability that there's going to be an attack on Taiwan that's going to inexorably draw us in. So one way or another, we have to do something to ensure or uh, to limit the possibility and probability that there's going to be a confrontation over Taiwan. And you don't do it by acting stupid and bending over backwards for G. Peter Kersenow, laying it all out for us, domestic and foreign policy from Pete. Terrific stuff, Pete. I could not agree with you more, my friend. Thank you, and uh, guess what? We'll talk again very soon, depending on your travel schedule. We'll talk to you on Tuesday, all right? Have a good weekend, Bob. Thank you, Pete. That's Kirsten Allen, AM 1420, The Answer. It's 1055. We'll take this straight to news. And we're going to come back with the Week in Review, the always right Week in Review. Some of the highlights, some of the interviews from what we've done this week so that if you missed it, well, we're going to catch you up. Coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. You and I know... And do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? 
the martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number three underway now at nine minutes past 11 o'clock. And we're about to embark on something new, something we decided. You know, every day we tell you on this program, you missed a great interview. Or if you missed a great interview, you want to go back and listen to it, go to the webpage, blah, blah, blah. But that takes a little bit of effort sometimes. You know, you got to go find the interview, find the day that it was, and so forth. So what we decided to do now is each and every Friday at 1110, we're going to bring you the Always Right Week in Review. It's going to be just a little bit of a taste of some of the interviews that we did, some of the things we felt like you needed to hear without making the extra effort by going to a webpage. We just want to bring it to you. So sit back here for the next few and listen to some of the more important um, segments and interviews that we had this week. Again, this is the first time we're doing it, so it's a bit of a trial run. Work with us if, uh, if there are any glitches or any problems. Work with us on this, but this is going to be what we do. Uh, moving forward on Fridays. We want to give you a kind of a taste of what you missed or kind of a recap of what you heard on Always Right Radio. Johnny, you may fire when ready. Always Right Radio, week in review. All right, our first segment for the week in review is going to be from Congressman Jim Jordan, who joined us on Monday, talking about conservatives becoming the targets of assassination attempts. Congressman Jordan also giving his opinions on the media's lack of coverage of these things, and uh, a little bit more about uh, about what we can do to provide some protection, if that's what's required for uh, conservative leaders who are, who are literally, literally, not figuratively, but literally coming under fire. This is Jim Jordan on Monday. Congressman, several weeks ago, a sitting justice on the Supreme Court of the United States, Brett Kavanaugh, mm-hmm. um, the, uh, was was uh, there was an attempt on his life. There was an attempted murder. Literally, the individual who uh, went to his home is now facing attempted murder charges. Um, just uh, a couple of days ago, a sitting member of the United States House of Representatives and a candidate for governor of the state of New York, yep. there was an attempt on his life. A, a nut with a blade, an edged weapon, jumped up onto his platform, declared, you're done, and tried to stab him before he was tackled. First of all, um, most Americans have no idea who it is because the mainstream media is not covering it. I want you to talk about that fact. Second of all, is it open season on conservatives? When will the leftists in power do or say something to stop this insanity of, we don't agree with you, we can't defeat your ideas, so we're going to try to kill you? Yeah. Um, well, first thing, it, it, Lee is a good man. He's a colleague of mine and, and, and just a, a great member of Congress, and I hope he's going to be the next uh, governor of New York. And it was, uh, I'm, I'm so happy that he's safe. Uh, and then, frankly, I, I think another thing that's real important, and I made this on a show over the weekend at this point, is that after that attack, uh, that attempt on his life <clears throat> happened, um, Lee Zeldin got back up and finished his remarks once they dealt with this, this crazy guy. He got back up. That, that shows the kind of leader he is. But you're right, the left, the um, the left seems to, you know, you and I have condemned violence every time it happened. We say this all the time. We condemned it when it happened on January 6th. We condemned it when it happened in the summer of 2020 all over this country in so many urban uh, areas. And, and we, we condemn it when it, when it was the, the crazy guy who went after uh, 
Justice Kavanaugh and, of course, this, this past weekend after um, Congressman Zeldin. It would be nice if the left did the same. But remember what Nancy Pelosi did when, when there was the assassination attempt on Justice Kavanaugh four weeks before that. Four weeks before that, there had been a bill passed the Senate which would give added protection to justices' families, and she held it up. And during that time, during that four weeks, is when the assassination attempt happened, and finally they passed the legislation. So that, that, that I think, just exemplifies the, the sort of cavalier attitude the left has towards this. And in some ways, when you think about what Chuck Schumer said on the steps of the United States Supreme Court, yeah. um, it, it's scary because it seems like it may encourage these crazy people. So um, that's a concern. Let's hope that the uh, the folks on the left will actually understand how serious this is and begin to condemn it uh, across the board like you and I have. But it's not even it's not even making its way to the television screens. You we we would be in 24/7 coverage if oh. a maga if a maga hat wearer went after Elena Kagan or Sonia Sotomayor, or God forbid anybody on the court yep. with that, you know, 24/7 yep. coverage. And if this was if if Lee Zeldin was a liberal democrat who was a, you know, a pro-abortionist and so forth, again was attacked by a maga hat wearing pro-lifer try, trying to uh, stab uh, him to death. Uh, again, that that's what it would be, but it almost seems like they don't care enough to cover it. Ah, it's only Steve Scalise who got shot. Ah, it's only Brett yeah, Kavanaugh. It's only Lee Zeldin. It, it, and, and it's just, it happens far too many times. Congressman, let me ask you directly. You've got to be a target. You are one of the most vocal, one of the most effective conservative members of Congress. You are a pain in their rear. You get attacked on a routine basis online like nobody else. I mean, I, I would have to think, man, they stabbed Lee Zeldin, or tried to stab Lee Zeldin. I mean, how, how do you go through your day? Do you, do, do you, are you concerned about these kind of things, since it seems to be happening only to conservatives? Well, I, I, to be honest with you, Bob, I, I, I just, we don't talk about it. Uh, I, 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 our office doesn't. We, we, um, we think it's best off if you don't bring it up. Uh, on, uh, you, you know, we just, we, just, we just don't do it. And then we, we take into... Um, into account all that, and we we take the proper measures to uh, to give security that I think is is needed for um, that we think is needed. Um, so I, that that's sort of the attitude we've taken. We well, just, I'm, we I'm just sorry, yeah, I'm sorry I brought it up. up then. Yeah, I didn't no, mean to put fine. you in the no, spot. I, 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 worry, I, but I worry about I worry about you, and I worry about well, people like you that. because of the I mean, what they're doing is unhinged. Okay, um, you know, it's yeah. the kind of thing again. If this was being done by by anybody else, they you know by somebody on the right to somebody on the left, they would be calling them white supremacists. You know, domestic terrorists. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, they were you know not a fascist. All of this stuff would be going on, and and in fact, it's coming the other way around and they're targeting only conservatives so i think about people like you and i worry about you so i'm i'm glad well, you guys don't talk that. about it but you know i, I I'm, I'm sure you've got measures in place but man this is just nuts you know quick follow-up to that as we continue our week in review quick follow-up to that is the um uh, attempted assassin of brett kavanaugh they have found a lot more information about him Brett Kavanaugh was not the only one on his hit list. He had a hit list. He was hoping to take out three United States Supreme Court justices. So uh, everything we talked about with Jim Jordan is very, very valid there. Uh, also this week, we spoke with Dr. Jerome Corsi, author of The Truth About Energy, Global Warming, and Climate Change, Exposing Climate Lies in an Age of Disinformation. Talk about hypocrisy. Well, Dr. Jerome Corsi called it out. When we talk about Dr. Corsi, um, you know, waters rising, we mentioned Al Gore. Um, <laughs> why, why does it seem like all of those who are trying to sound the alarm about 
rising ocean levels because of uh, you know because of global warming, melting polar ice caps and melting glaciers and so on and so forth. Why do all of them seem to be buying and building beach houses? Uh, they live on play in places like Martha's Vineyard. They live on the you know the eastern uh, seaboard. They live. Uh, Barack Obama is building his latest house on an island in Hawaii. If if the waters are going to rise as quickly and as devastatingly as they say, wouldn't the first ones to be destroyed be the ones on the coasts? And yet that seems to be where all of the global warming and you know uh, sea sea level rising. Uh, uh, you know, fear mongers out there that seems to be, they don't seem to be afraid of it themselves. Well, these globalist New World Order elites haven't given up their corporate jets either. And the hypocrisy is incredible. It's astounding. Uh, this new book is 400 pages long. It's got a thousand footnotes, most from scientific articles. The climate disinformation people have been taught is astounding. As astounding as the hypocrisy. Now, ice ages come and go. The Earth has a elliptical orbit. Sometimes the Earth's orbit is more elliptical than circular. That coincides with the ice ages. The major driver of heat on the Earth is the sun. You know, it's a, it's a wake-up call to the left. Sun heats Earth. That <laughs> side, sun heats Earth. And it is not global warming that's the major driver. The sun is sometimes more active, sometimes inactive. These are very complex factors in an interactive feedback system. And the Earth's climate demands understanding nonlinear systems that don't say one variable is the cause of everything. That is just absolute, that's as nonsensical as Al Gore saying that the, you know, the ice is going to melt and the seas are going to rise, none of which happened. Um, Dr. Corsi, when we, uh, when, when we talk about the sun being the driver of temperature change and climate change, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not a scientist. I haven't uh, done the research to have 400 footnotes that you have in a book like this. I'm very oversimplified sometimes. But I, 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 I look at this very simplistically and say that because we know that in the history of the Earth, this rock has frozen and thawed and then frozen again and thawed again. We have had multiple ice ages, and then we've had multiple periods where the, uh, you know, the climate shifted and, and melted all of that ice and allowed it to be uh, you know, inhabitable, which it is now. Um, mankind didn't do any of those things because mankind hasn't been around for eons. It hasn't been around for millions and billions of years. But yet we do have evidence from science that those things occurred, that the planet froze and warmed again. Isn't that enough I mean, do I even need a 400-page book to understand that the planet has frozen and thawed itself without mankind's interference multiple times in, in, in the planet's history? Well, you're, you're exactly right, and uh, your view may be simplistic, but it's correct. I don't think it's simplistic at all. I think it's quite informed because the Earth is a cataclysmically changing place. I document the five major extinctions when the dinosaurs die, 65 million years ago, there were a whole set of things going on. Uh, a massive comet that hit the Yucatan caused tsunamis all the way up into North America. Uh, a thousand years of volcanic activity in India that threw sulfur into the atmosphere and ended photosynthesis on Earth for hundreds and hundreds of thousands of years. Uh, these are cataclysmic changes. You know, mountains have risen. The continents have moved apart. I, just, I even documented in the book the, the Earth expansion, you know, part of the dinosaurs dying, I soundly believe, 
is because the Earth expanded. The continents didn't just drift apart. You know, the Earth take it to the size of a tennis ball, pop it up to the size of a grapefruit, and the little fuzzy parts separate. And at a greater Earth mass, greater gravitational field, dinosaurs were too big to be uh, comfortable in this environment. They didn't survive very well. These are tremendous changes that have occurred in the Earth. And people want to say 400 parts per million of carbon dioxide, which is infinitesimally small given geological history, is responsible for destroying the planet and causing another extinction. Extinction is nonsense. It's only because they hate capitalism. They want control. They want to dominate individuals, human beings, or another lockdown. And we've got to understand that this is a totalitarian control move is not rooted in science. That was Dr. Jerome Corsi from uh, earlier this week. And our last recap of on our, on our Always Right Radio Week in Review is going to be the interview with Peter Burfind from The Federalist, who wrote a piece about wokeism collapse, collapsing upon itself and how the left finds itself in the liar's paradox and the God complex in order to try to advance their... Um, their agenda. So this was Peter Burfind from The Federalist. Peter, uh, tell us about the liar's paradox that the left finds uh-huh. itself in. So this, I mean, the left has been dealing with the liar's paradox ever since it arose in the 19th century. And that is, how can you develop a theory? How can you invent a theory that is said to explain everything? And if we go deeper, we could say that it's really the left trying to assume the role of God himself. So it's really a God complex, but they, you know, it could be Kant, it could be Hegel, it could be, well, let's use Marx, and he's got his materialistic materialistic dialectic. Well, you invent this grand theory that explains everything. Well, how do you yourself not fall under that theory? And the whole thing kind of collapses. So the liar's paradox is, if a Cretan says all Cretans are liars, is he to be believed? If the answer is yes, then how how is he himself not a liar? If the answer is no, well, then his whole theory is garbage. And the, the classic example of this right now is in critical race theory. So, and this is another article I wrote at the Federalist, if people want to link up with it, it's linked in my article. But, so critical race theory was, is, a, is a subcategory of uh, critical theory, which itself was written by, guess what kind of people in the mid-20th century? White, male, usually he- uh, heterosexual men. Um, how, so the entire theory of critical theory is that peop, everything people do is only to further their own power, further their own advantage. Well, how do, the, how do the theorists of critical race theory, how do they not fall under that same, that same dictum or that same verdict? So, for instance, in today's world, the, the several, and it, this, this is what my whole article is about, is how people are starting to see that that just can't stand and that cognitive dissonance between the theory and, and people falling under the theory is causing a lot of even liberals to say, wait a minute, this isn't working out. So, for instance, critical race theory says everything white males do is to further their advantage. Well, who's benefiting from that? The people benefiting from it are white CEOs, uh, a lot of you know upper middle class human resources managers, um, you know, whites on TikTok who are who are trying to virtue signal. Meanwhile, what does the theory say? The theory says that that blacks are in an inescapable order of things that they can't advance in. You know, a completely disempowering theory. So on one hand, 
it suppresses blacks and says, oh, you can't succeed in America. You have no chance. You have no agency. You have no power to, to improve your lot in this country. And meanwhile, who are the people benefiting? White CEOs, white tech owners, billionaires, um, and a bunch of human resources managers who, who got their degrees in, in race studies. So, so that just proves the theory correct that, I mean, critical race theory says whites do everything to advance their own, their own, their own situation. Well, critical race theory is actually bearing that out. <laughs> so to me, I think people are starting to see that and wake up to that. This has been Always Right Radio, Week in Review. All right, 1128 now. We continue on Always Right Right Radio. Hopefully you enjoyed the Week in Review. We're going to try to uh, improve upon that and uh, continue that each and every Friday at this hour. But Friday is also free for all Friday at 216-901-0945. Peter is taking advantage of that right now in Illyria. Pete, good morning. Good morning, Bob. How are you? I'm good. What's on your mind, sir? I just want to call. I am running for state central committee in the 13th Senate District, and I'd appreciate uh, the support of everybody. We need to change the state central or the state committee. We need to get rid of Mr. Paducek. We need an audit. We need somebody who is a state central committeeman who will support conservatives, not just because they have an R behind their name. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. We spend a ton of time talking about Bob Paduchik and the leadership. But you said you're asking for people's support. You better tell them who you are. Who are you? My name is... And why should they support you? Peter Aldrich. I'm from Elyria. I am white, and I am straight. Just to make that clear. (laughs) You're in trouble. You're in trouble now. (laughs) You just identified yourself as the worst thing in the world, according to the left. But then again, you're not running for votes from the left. So that Number one, I want to get rid of... Mr. Paducic, I want to get rid of, or I want an audit very quickly, which we need. We've needed since the Jane Timken era. Yeah, and there should be no endorsements of statewide candidates. Oh, so you don't think that the state central committee should do endorsements in primaries? No. Okay. Um, why? What's your thinking Just, on that? Because I know a lot of people feel that way too. I don't have a problem with it. What I don't like is giving funding to candidates before endorsements are even made. And second of all, okay. uh, I want I want public I you know I want public hearings and public votes. I want media to be able to cover these kinds of things. I don't like cloak and dagger things where people are in the uh, you know in the back room making these kinds of endorsement deals. I think public... I don't want endorsements the way they've been done. Yes, I have okay. no problem with open endorsements. That's it. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that that's that a little bit different because because to be yeah. honest with you, I'm endorsing certain people in this in these uh, state central committee races. Not that I'm uh, on the ORP, but uh, in the ORP, but but I I don't have any problem with people shining a spotlight. For example, not only endorsing certain members, but also unendorsing or condemning people like Paducic himself, um, who I think we should absolutely uh, you know we sh- we should speak out against. And then maybe if we have a little bit of fairness and a little bit less uh, corruption at the top of the state central committee and at the top of the ORP. Then when they make statewide endorsements, they'll be fair and they'll reflect the will will of the um, you know the constituency, the Republican voters in the state. One hundred percent, Bob. And I also have a problem with some of these groups that have gone out and endorsed candidates with. But I've never been approached by any of the groups for my views or whatever. There's been just they've just picked and chosen who they want. 
Yeah. Pete, your phone broke up a little bit there, but I think I heard you say, uh, you know, if they're going to do endorsements of state central committee members or candidates, rather, they ought to meet with and talk to everybody who's in a race and you haven't heard from anyone. So uh, I think that's what I heard through your broken up phone there. But uh, exactly. Pete, I, I, I appreciate your call and I appreciate you making people aware if you are in what district? Pete, still there? Yes, Pete? I'm here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what, di- what district? 13th. District 13. And Pete. Ethan Manning. Pete Aldrich is in, is in, yeah, that's the Senate race there is Kirsten Hill and Pete and, uh, and, uh, Nathan Manning. And that's another one I've endorsed Kirsten Hill in. Absolutely. Uh, but Pete is looking for support on Tuesday in this second primary for state central committee in district 13. Peter, thank you very much for the call, my friend. All right. It's 1132. We'll take a time out here. We'll come back and wrap it up on Always Right Radio AM 1420. The answer. Waking up America from its woke slumber. Always right radio with Bob France on The Answer. Yes, indeed. Always right radio. It's 1140. We've been busy on the website at alwaysright.us on the sound off page. People are leaving messages about this, that, and the other. And you can't hear that very well. Sorry about that. Hold on one second. We've got to push this, and then we've got to push that, and then you can hear uh, James and Avon. Let's try it again. Hi, Bob. I think any time we read anything online, then we see that article that says Chuck Schumer, D, from New York, or Nancy Pelosi, D, from California. We have to start thinking that D stands for destroyer so we have nancy pelosi destroyer from california i thought he was going into a very different place there (laughs) chuck schumer destroyer from new york gavin newsom destroyer of california because ultimately that is what they are trying to do is destroy this country one piece at a time James, you are right, no question about it. I just thought you were going somewhere else when you see that D, because uh, when I see D, I think of dummy. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's just the, that's a, you're much more polite than I am. Uh, I think of Nancy Pelosi D, California. I think Nancy Pelosi dummies, uh, California. But yes, destroyer works for me as well. Thank you, James. Here's Deb at North Royalton. Hi, Bob. This is Debbie from North Royalton. Uh, yesterday, you were talking about the state primary election. Regarding the race for Ohio House Rep, we in North Royalton have been disenfranchised. We used to be part of District 7 with Strongsville and Berea. Tom Patton has been our rep for years, um, and there were two or three other Republican challengers. But the final approved district map put North Royalton in a new district, number 15, with Broadview and Seven Hills and part of Brooklyn and part of Cleveland, for Pete's sake. All of the Republican candidates are in that old district number seven, leaving us with no Republican candidates in this new district. The map was finalized the end of May, too late for potential candidates to file petitions to be on the ballot, and the Ohio Secretary of State specifically told Cuyahoga County Board of Elections not to accept any petitions or requests for write-ins. Uh, somehow a Democrat candidate's on the ballot. I don't know how all this works, but um, uh, maybe he had filed in the Cleveland part of the new district. 
before February. But in any event, a raw deal for North Royalton. You know, she's right. The word disenfranchisement applies there. It's so weird. The left uses it all the time. You know, if you don't, if you ask for a photo identification, you're disenfranchising people of color. This is literal disenfranchisement, and it's all because of the what four or five different times they had to go back and redraw those maps because of the Chief Justice of the Ohio Supreme Court refusing to take yes for an answer. Uh, that that's literally what it is, siding with the Democrats and the liberal members of the Supreme Court uh, because they didn't like the quote-unquote gerrymandered districts. And now it led to so many different districts being convoluted, and by the time they got all straightened out, uh, it was too late to file for, for candidacy. So I completely concur. That is um, true disenfranchisement. Thank you, and I'm sorry to hear you going through that, Debbie, but I appreciate you shining a spotlight on it. Good morning, Bob. So yesterday... I was looking through the Plain Dealer, and the front page, uh, bottom, the front page of the Plain Dealer, there was an article, and it appeared to be a a follow-up to uh, that issue 24 that was passed in Cleveland. And um, so basically the article was was about a, a, a detective and how this, um, this citizen review board oversight committee is looking into... Um, investigating and charging uh this detective uh for how he basically how he handled um out of the the arrest of of, the arrest i don't have the details on that case derek and richfield but all you 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 had me at citizen review board that ridiculous board is going to lead to more dead citizens and more dead cops because of what they are going to put uh, cops in uh, you make cops afraid of doing and I wish I had more time to talk about it, but we are out of time right now. Thanks, everyone, for a great week. We'll see you Monday. Let's go, Brandon. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.